started. Welcome, guys. Sorry for being a little bit late, but uh, we're going to be talking about night vision today. We're going to be taking questions. We're going to be talking about helmets. We're going to be talking about mounts. You know, the expensive, the budget, the weird, the cool, and the stuff we don't talk about. And of course, someone forgot to turn the volume down. <laughs> so, but what I want to do is I want to make sure we can answer a lot of questions on this because I haven't, I don't have a big script for this, uh, but I do have a couple things I want to go over on. Uh, the first one is night vision. The interest in night vision uh, has been exploding for the past year. In 2020, uh, when, you know, that thing happened that, you know, people I can't say on YouTube or they'll like ban me, I guess. Uh, gun sales were, you know, guns were super expensive. Ammunition went up in price. And people were left with money, some people, not, not everyone, but money that they would normally be spending on ammo that they all of a sudden weren't spending it on. So what a lot of people went and did is they went and bought night vision. They finally got into the thing that they were thinking about, they were interested in getting into. They were like, yeah, this thing, let's let's get into it. Let's buy a PVS-14, let's buy DTNVGs, let's buy DTNVSs, whatever it is, and let's actually get into night vision. And that is one of the silver linings. I talked about this last year as well. I think I kind of pissed some people off, but this is one of the silver linings to having an ammo crisis. Uh, we have them pretty much every election. It's pretty much a given at this point when there's an election year, Ammo disappears, it goes up in price, it slowly comes back down, or like a big shooting, you know, things like that. And then during that time, people start to focus on other things, other activities, because they can't just go out and shoot for 18 cents a round. And I think that it, that is a silver lining. People start to focus more on other skill sets, other pieces of gear, other capabilities they don't already own, because they, you know, aren't blasting ammo, shooting build drills all day at the range, or doing 1R1s and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, night vision. There's a couple things you need to understand about night vision. Night vision does not give you magical vision at night. Night vision is essentially uh, is, it comprised of an intensifier tube. There's a bunch of really cool technology going on. It takes light molecules and photons and all that great stuff. Uh, it takes amounts of that, whether it is a lot or very few, goes through the intensifier tube, and it intensifies, and it projects an image that is much brighter than the light that you are looking at uh, with the naked eye. Uh, but it's important to understand that because you're relying on some amount of light to amplify with your night vision, if you go into a dark house or a cave or a facility or a warehouse or a building that's dark and there's no ambient light, there's no artificial light, there's no, there's no moonlight or anything like that, uh, the night vision is not going to give you magical vision. Uh, there was a, a night vision company, uh, I think it was a Gunin gear, I'm pretty sure. It gave me the example of, it's like taking a, a zero and then timesing it by a hundred. If there is zero amount of light in the area, the times 100 capability of, of amplifying that light is not going to occur. If you have two or three amount of light, you know, in your general area, now you times that by a hundred, now you actually have an image that you're going to be able to see. And based on how much light you're going to have, that's going to result in a more clear image, uh, more detail. And uh, it's, I mean, basically it's the same concept of if it's dark outside, you can't see well, you turn on a flashlight based on how bright uh, the candela of that light, uh, that's going to affect how much data you can process. Night vision, the exact same way. Uh, if, you'll, if you've trained with night vision, you'll notice that if uh, based on the, the moon situation of what's going on, if you are training under no moon, uh, your night vision kind of sucks. Like it doesn't work real well. Uh, if you're training with a full moon, uh, it's it, it's a lot of light. You can see a lot. There's a lot of clarity, a lot of detail. And that was something I noticed uh, on my PVS-14 video I published last week. There were dudes going, wow, this night vision looks so much better than the night vision I had in the military. And I was like, well, it probably is because this is a L3 unfilmed tube from last year. So it's very recent. Uh, it was a full moon out. So I have perfect illumination. My gain is dialed down slightly, so the image is a little bit more crisp, a little bit more detailed. Uh, so when you start adding all those variables together, you can create a very nice image. Uh, but if there was no moon and I was filming that video under those conditions, you guys wouldn't see uh, as well. Uh, the image wouldn't be as high quality. And that's something a lot of folks don't understand about night vision is it, it doesn't always give you the same image. It's going to be based on the lighting conditions you're working around. Are you looking towards a street light? Are you looking towards a vehicle that's driving towards you? Uh, do you have a full moon? Are you using it in an area uh, with a lot of IR light? You know, like maybe you're shooting up a IR flare or something. Um, but th with that understanding, that's why people need to have IR flashlights, IR weapon lights, and IR lasers that can actually help penetrate some of that like dark shadow, you know, types of situations. And I did some videos uh, showing that on, uh, on Instagram recently.
So uh, it's called multiplying, not timesing. No, it's timesing for me. Two times two, the plural for that is we are timesing two. We're not multiplying. You know, we're American. It's timesing. And I'm going to keep saying that. (laughs) You guys aren't going to stop me. I say what I want. You guys know that. So is it worth selling multiple guns to get night vision? Now, this is a great question. This is one of my favorites. Because usually the people whining about how expensive night vision are, when you ask, hey, what's your inventory like? What kind of guns? What's your arsenal? How many rifles do you have? And they start listing off, well, I got a PSA 16-inch. I have an Anderson 14.5. I've got a, a PSA with a BCM upper. Uh, then I also have my lever action from my uncle. I have a 22 rifle. I have a 30-06 hunting rifle, a 30-06 hunting rifle, a 308 hunting rifle, a 30-06 hunting rifle. And I'm like, okay, so you've got nine different guns, all of which are more or less crap. Um, maybe sell half of them and get some capability that you wouldn't normally have. And you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised how many people who complain about the cost of night vision are blowing their money in all kinds of other ways. Uh, like, like drinking beer every night and just doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, look, if, if, if you're being, maybe not the, uh, maybe if you're, if you're devoting your finances into certain areas that would normally allow you to buy something over here, don't complain about it. Uh, it's your life. It's your decisions. It's your priorities. It's how hard you want to work. It's how much you want to put away. Um, that's, what's going to affect whether you're going to get night vision or not. And, uh, just a lot of folks to understand that math bros seething. You're not wrong. So can I put two DTMGs together and make panos? Uh, no, not really. So, and that is something people think you can do. Uh, if you take four tubes and you don't have specialized housings, there is no way to get all these tubes to actually direct data uh, into your eyeballs because the, you know, how, how narrow your head is in relation to how wide the night vision is going to be is not going to support that. The reason Pano not, uh, night vision works is, uh, it maintains both tubes directing into one small point. So when you have it on your eyeballs, uh, you can actually still see the image, uh, from each intensifier tube. And, uh, that's just something you're not going to create with a bunch of duels stuck together or even 14s. It's not going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah, I had, oh yeah, people are probably seeing this. Yeah, no, I'm married, but yeah, no kids. Um, talked about that on Instagram, uh, earlier this week. So, and you don't need to say congrats. I've already had like 10,000 of those. So, um, more questions on night vision. Uh, does it concern you that the unfilmed tubes don't last as long as filmed? Uh, no, it really doesn't. Uh, I've been using unfilmed tubes for a while now. I've got 31s and stuff that I use all the time. Uh, most of us aren't using night vision enough to wear them out. If you're thinking this is going to be generational night vision, I will pass this on to my children. Uh, then, then you might want to think about that. But the reality is most people train with their night vision, maybe once a month, maybe for four hours of runtime total. Uh, you're not going to wear your night vision out with that, with that kind of time. Uh, where you might want to consider that is if you're using night vision operationally and you're wearing it for two months straight, every night, doing raids, kicking indoors, uh, taking names, raise the black, all those weird sayings that people use. Uh, if you were doing that months on end, using them every night, then yeah, you might actually start to wear the tubes out after uh, years of doing that. Um, but for the average citizen, the average dude who's only going to train once a month or maybe really only put them on once every few months, not going to be an issue. Uh, you're not going to wear them out anytime soon. Um, it's, it kind of comes back to the same concept of most people can't outshoot their Glock barrel. Most people aren't going to out like actually shoot their Glock enough to wear it out. Um, you're really only going to do that if you're actually putting in the time and putting in the work, which most people aren't able to do because of jobs, life, kids, family, etc. They're just not able to do that. Uh, my Panos, right? Perfect example. I use them once every few months. <laughs> I'm not using them all the time. I'm not wearing them every night. I don't go home with them. You know, they, they live here in the armory usually and, and they go places and whatnot, but uh, I'm not using them every night. I'm not putting in time on them that's going to wear them out. Uh, I really only use them for like, there'll be a week where I use them like four times and then I put it away for a couple months and then I get it out and I use it for three times and then I kind of put it away. Um, and that's how most people use their night vision. They're not using night vision um, just all the time like you might think. Uh, best intro night vision. I honestly think, so night vision, I've used singles, sevens, binos, and panos. I've used all the, with the exception of like a a FLIR, like hybrid weird thing. uh, I've pretty much used all the options that are on the market right now. The way I see night vision is very similar to pistol iron sights and a pistol red dot. Bino night vision, super awesome. Easy to use. It's intuitive. 
You get two images. You could do passive aiming with a rifle very easily. It really is the bee's knees, uh, the cat's pajamas, and the cat's sneeze all rolled up into one. The downside is they are expensive, uh, $6,000 to $12,000, depending on what you get, or thirteen. I think 31s are like thirteen k or whatever. And you, you miss out on some of the training benefit and some of the training issues, some of the differences in the nuance that you would get with a PBS-14, a single tube like this. So I kind of equate a single tube uh, like this PBS-14 to iron sights on a pistol, and then Bino Night Vision is my RMR. It's my SRO, it's my D-Pro, it's my reflex, whatever optic uh, that's on the slide of my pistol. So what I recommend to people, and I'm really thankful that I went about it this way. I bought a 14 first back in 2000, uh, would have been 2015, I think. End of 2014, maybe, I think it's 2015. Uh, PBS 14, Franken tube, AB housing, uh, green, phosphor, you know, whatever. I paid uh, 1800 bucks for it. I used that for about a year before I got Sentinels, uh, a bino aviation style uh, goggle. And uh, I'm really glad I spent time on my 14. Uh, in fact, this past month, I've been using a 14 a lot. And the first night I put it on, really not an issue. I ran around the depth perception, depth perception. I say in quotations, cause it's not exactly depth perception. Uh, that's a little bit of a fallacy, but you know, there's a little bit of stuff going on in that regard. Uh, but the main one is just the confusion your right eye is getting based on what kind of light, you know, you're dealing with ambient light or moonlight uh, versus the image over here, uh, that is, you know, pumping all that light into your brain. Uh, you get a little bit of like stuff going on there. Uh, but I do recommend that people start with a 14 for that training value and that ultimate perspective before moving to something like binos. But I know a lot of guys going straight to binos. They're like, ah, just give me the best thing that there is and I'll just use it and it's fine. And I, I'm not, I, I don't think that's bad. I don't think it's wrong. Um, but I do think guys that start on 14s and then go to binos have some perspective that the bino squad uh, just doesn't have. So I, I do think that. Duel, yeah, duels are eight to 10. Uh, six, if you get like an old aviation style green phosphor tube, yeah, about six to seven. So um, uh, we use uh, blackout lights or no light. Okay. Uh, what do you think of optics with integrated night vision? Uh, there's not a lot out there. Um, there's the option of taking your 14, uh, PBS 14, at least like a full kit will come with a weapon mount uh, that allows you to mount this on a rifle. It's kind of cool, um, but really only if you're staying in one position, kind of not moving and looking around and doing stuff. Uh, but for the most part, when people want to use weapon mount of night vision, they use something like this. A dedicated clip-on that is not a 14, something that is a little bit more powerful, something that's a little bit more, gives you a little bit more options, you know, adjusting uh, parallax quickly. This is a PVS 24 LR. Uh, these are around nine grand, I think. This is a white phosphor. Um, I bought this a few years ago before they were really available. And uh, you, I've shot this out to 600 meters, no problem. I think they say these can be taken out to like 1500, um, but you're gonna need you know, a quality optic, a good illuminator, a high power illuminator laser combo of some sort. And, uh, but this is what guys are doing usually when they wanna run a dedicated night vision gun. All right, back to questions. Someone asked, what do panos cost? Well, I believe uh, pano night vision, L3, you know, tubes uh, are going to cost uh, about 40 grand. Uh, last year, L3, super cool of them, L3 uh, allowed, opened up quad night vision to be sold to civilians in the commercial market. Super dope, super awesome. Just in time, I got mine a little bit earlier than that, did my video, and I was like, people will not be able to buy these for a while. And then all of a sudden they said, yep, everyone can buy them. I, don't, I wasn't responsible for that, but super cool. Uh, but yes, the price is about 40 grand. Now, it's important to understand though, uh, that is not the unit price uh, when the military or, or foreign people are ordering. Um, that's a little bit less. The $40,000 is, uh, it's more. There's some premium attached, uh, but units are not spending $40,000 on this night vision. They're spending eh, 10K, uh, a little bit less uh, on each unit, but they're also ordering tons of them all at once. So it's a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit less. Sounds back. Yes. Okay. Audio person about to get fired. No, that would be awkward. He's the new guy, you know, over here in the department helping out. That would be awkward. Will he get a slap on the wrist? Absolutely. <laughs> Just kidding. No, he's good. Uh, work. When can I buy night vision from T-Rex? So let's talk about that for a second. I would love to deal in night vision. Uh, I, I don't know how many sets of night vision we've sold for other companies. Just putting out all this content. We've been filming night vision content now for over three years. 
uh, we've probably sold or helped sell a lot of night vision and lasers. I know lasers for sure because we sell lasers uh, to people. And it's super cool. And I really like that. Uh, the problem with getting into night vision is the components are hard to come by. The tubes that are being manufactured, the intensifying tubes, uh, there's not a lot out there. There's three companies. You've got Elbit, Photonis, and L3. L3 is kind of weird to deal with, but you got all three of them. And uh, everyone's trying to grab what tubes they can. Every once in a while, I would talk to one of my reps and he'd say, uh, yeah, we've got like a few tubes left. And after that, there won't be any for a while because of contract stuff coming up. So the answer is, uh, is there enough components out there that we'd be able to keep up with demand? Or at least our demand? I don't think so. And that sucks because I would love to offer a PVS-14 and a Bino tube. Um, I just don't know how realistic that is right now with the way things are with manufacturing and the demand of said types of product. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. So I don't know. Review coming on the XVL2. So I actually have a video on YouTube. It's not very popular because people aren't interested titled, can you shoot a pistol with night vision? And I talk about the XVL2 on that video and a bunch of other lasers. So definitely check that one out. Bridge 14s. Yeah. So bridging 14s used to be a somewhat viable or interesting concept for people, you know, back in the day when there weren't a lot of binos on the market, uh, you would get a special mount. You would stick two of these together. You would hope that the quality of both tubes was about the same. You know, we're not dealing with some wildly different stuff because that messes with your brain a little bit. And you would create a janky budget bino or, or bino system with 14s. And there were people out there saying that that's a much better system than a dedicated set of binos. Well, they couldn't articulate, so you weren't getting any benefit there. They were heavier, and you got to be careful that the tubes are very similar. So there was a lot going on with bridging 14s. People don't really do it anymore. There's a really cool bridge TNV, TNVC came out with a couple years ago, three years ago, that uh, is you know, much more simplified and smaller and more minimalist and cool. Uh, but the reality is there are so many high-quality bino systems on the market. These are 31s, but uh, D the DTMVGs, the DTMVSs, and there's other people making them, that it just doesn't make sense, like, at all, unless maybe you're a department who has tons of 14s and you want to turn them into binos, to go out and purposefully make a heavier piece of night vision that's more janky with more parts and then put that on your head. When you could buy a dedicated bino, which is smaller, lighter, less parts, the same tubes, same collimation, same everything, you're done. Plus also has better resale value. Uh, so yeah, bridge 14's not great anymore. Um, back in the day, it was one of the only options, um, but they're not great compared to what exists now, which is great. Binos now are so much better and uh, that's great. Panel bridge, haven't used one yet. Night vision is banned in Hungary. That sucks. Uh, I, I was in Hungary for over a week uh, a few years ago. Really enjoyed it there. Really nice. Especially the Soviet train station. Super cool running around there. All right. Um, too much China and Armasite. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of night vision in a particular part of the world that you can buy for really cheap. I think if you uh, uh, go to your VPN, select Afghanistan, go to eBay, check PBS7s. I actually don't know if that works, but that'd be hilarious. Uh, there should be a lot of stuff uh, on there. Flashlight kills night vision. <sighs> I think you've been watching too much Patriot Games. Uh, the answer is it doesn't. Modern night vision will adjust uh, based on uh, bright lights and what's going on. And you can still shoot people, believe it or not. You can still shoot people holding a flashlight being, you know, aiming at you, even if you have night vision. Uh, we did some drills for this uh, on video a couple weeks ago. Uh, using a PVS-14, shooting right into a handheld flashlight, not a problem. Still getting A-zone hits. It is hard to see. There's some, there's some, you know, some flash, just like if I shine a flashlight at you in the day. Uh, but no, flashlights don't kill night vision. You can still do things. You could still go to work. If you leave your night vision, uh, this is one example, though, that is a little bit different. If you have your night vision uncapped and on, aimed at a bright light, such as one of these, like, studio lights right here, uh, with time, it is going to burn a blim. It's going to basically destroy all those pixels in the intensifier tube and leave a black streak or a black blob. But that takes time. I'm not talking like the occasional like flash of a flashlight. Uh, that's not going to kill your night vision. Uh, that's not going to impair you from being able to shoot, engage, uh, potentially identify, or get off the X. Um, so uh, if you think that you're watching too much Patriot Games, which has the classic scene where... Uh, uh, Samuel Jackson 
uh, who's a Marine, has a pistol. He's in the cellar. They're waiting for uh, Sean Bean and all of his uh, IRA dudes to come through with old janky PBS 7s, I think. Uh, turns the lights on, blinds the bad guys, and then he smokes them. Uh, that's also super old night vision, but that doesn't really happen with the new stuff. Definitely not stuff like Panos and 31s. What's a good starter set of nons? A good starter set, in my opinion, is a PVS-14. It could be a green tube. It could be a white tube. It could be a super high-quality tube. It could be a used tube with blems. But I will say, if you're buying night vision, if you're buying night vision, make sure the person, if you're buying it used especially, make sure the person takes a photo of the night vision aimed at a bright wall, and it will show you all of the blems in the tube he needs to aim it at a like a, a beige wall or white wall, a gray wall or something, put some light on it, and then you will be able to see the little blims around on the tube and kind of where they're located. Uh, that's really big if you're buying used. And then the quality of the tube and how it amplifies light, that'll depend on a few factors, uh, but definitely get pictures through tubes if you're buying used. White or green? White. Uh, it's less strain on the eyes. You get a little bit more detail. Green is still super cool. It's very OG, uh, but white is the way if you can afford it. Um, I use white, all of this is white, white foss, white foss, and white foss is white. Uh, um, one of these is green, this one. Uh, my 14 is white, and uh, the sevens are green. I don't know if anyone's doing white sevens. Actually, no, someone is, someone is doing them. Why you would want that, I have no idea. Um, do not use Gen 2. Yeah, don't, don't, I would also say don't bother with Gen 2. Save up and go to Gen 3. Uh, Gen 3 also will hold its value much better than Gen 2. Gen 2 is already going down in price and value every year anyway. Uh, stay away from Gen 2, go to Gen 3 if you can afford it, and uh, don't even bother with Gen 2. I'd like to get a Gen 2 tube for some comparisons, but don't even, don't bother. Just go to Gen 3, is my opinion right now. Could change in the future. I do that with opinions when, you know, more data is submitted. But uh, as of right now, Gen 3, Gen 3. Um, sounds like uh, it's 2 to 3, yes, yeah, 2 to 3K for a PBS 14 sounds about right. Uh, WP is better for low light. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's another one. Uh, how much more, how much better is it? I don't know if anyone knows or has measured. Is it a 10% increase, a 5%, a 2%, a 1%? I mean, technically a 1% would be an increase, but is it going to be a noticeable, discernible increase to the average user? Probably not. Uh, I don't know exactly what the increase is. It may not even be worth it for most people. Um, it may, it may be how it is. Uh, can one wear night vision with glasses? Uh, yes, you can. And actually, this is an important note. If you have glasses, you're wearing prescription, prescription contacts, whatever, I do advise you get night vision with a diopter. Now, if you will look at uh, these PBS-14s, you'll see you have a diopter here. Uh, you, know, you, you could research this more. Uh, but this is ba basically adjusting the focus of the tube uh, based on where the tube is and based on the, uh, the distance of the tube from your eye. So what you can do with the diopter is basically set the prescription to what your eyes are like, what your eyes are. Now, some modern night vision, like these PVS-31s, they don't have diopters. They're issuing these to dudes who already have good eyesight, who don't have glasses and stuff, and they don't need the diopter. They're just going to focus out front. They're going to be good to go. Uh, but if you are someone who wears glasses or contacts, I do recommend night vision with a diopter, uh, 1531s, uh, PVS-15s, uh, DTNVGs, DTNVSs. Uh, night vision of that nature, the way you can tell it has a diopter is it's going to have a focus ring here uh, at the, uh, the part of the night vision that's close to your eyeball. Can't remember what that's called. It's not the objective. It's the, uh, can't remember what it's called. But uh, it's going to have all these little numbers, minus two, minus four. Uh, you can actually figure out exactly, you know, what number you are and basically set that whenever you like put the night vision on. Uh, but it is also uh, based on how far it is sitting from your eye, which will depend on your night vision mount. Let's talk mounts real quick. I remember back when I got into night vision, I was astounded. I was actually shocked and angry. Eh, I wasn't really angry. I was shocked that there were some night vision mounts out there that were like 500 bucks. This is back when I had no money. And I was like, man, $500 for a mount? I spent 1800 for my night vision. That's like almost half, not quite, but almost half the price of my night vision. And then I found the Wilcox D-PAM, which is an $1,800 mount. It's insane. Costs as much as the night vision. So what gives? Well, over the years, I've realized, hey, if I'm suspending all this money off of my noggin, off of my melon, I should be putting money into the mount. It would be like if you took your optic, you took your night force, you have a night force attacker, five to 25, $4,000 scope, 12 week lead time. Actually, I think it's, uh, they told me 10 month lead time uh, recently, something like that. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go get an NC star mount. I want to drop this bad boy right in this NC star mount that I'm buying on Amazon for 30 bucks. Uh, it'll probably hold zero. It'll retain the optic. It's not going to come loose. Uh, nothing's going to get shorn off of it. And uh, I'll be good to go and I'll be set. No, that would be absolute stupidity. Like there's a reason there are some products that are cheaper than other products out there. Quality control standards, the materials that are used, uh, the design of the product, how much work actually went into it. Like there's a reason there are some scopes that are $4,000 and then there are scopes that are $200. Like there is a reason the two exist. There's a reason there's $40,000 night vision and then $4,000 night vision, $3,000 night vision. So night vision is the exact same thing. You should think about it as your expensive uh, scope or red dot. And when you select the mount for it, the mount should really go with the, 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 the cost uh, associated with that set of night vision. So you can go really cheap. You can get a Rhino mount. You can buy these on eBay. There's a lot of them that have fallen off of military trucks. You can buy these for like 40 bucks. It's kind of the gold standard for people starting out. I use one. I think everyone has. Um, you clip your 14 in, you're set. And for what a 14 does, uh, it's not bad. You know, this, this mount really, it gets the job done. Uh, you'll definitely want to tie your night vision off, you know, when you go to add it to your helmet. So this is a $400 uh, ACH helmet that I bought on eBay. I have my $50 Rhino mount, and then I have my $2,000 14. Pretty slick little setup right here. Uh, it's not bad, uh, but the mount's pretty janky. I think this one is just a, a, pole, a pole mount. Yeah, so you just defeat it with force. There's no button. And uh, there's a lot of moving parts. It moves all over the place. Not real stable. Uh, this can kind of get bumped out real easily. It's not a real optimized night vision setup, but it does get the job done. $50 mount to a $2,000, $3,000 unit. So what I like to do is if I'm spending, you know, 10K, right, on uh, a piece of night vision or a piece of gear or even 4K, this is an L3 unfilmed. Uh, these are like five grand, I think, or four grand. PBS 14, very expensive. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a little bit of upgrades. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pimp this sucker out. Uh, this is a Wilcox adapter. So I pull the J-arm that comes with the tube, which is normally cheap. This is like $180, 200 bucks for the adapter. I think it's 180. This gives me dovetail. And now I can take a fancier mount, a nicer mount with more capability, better machining, better tolerances, better lockup. And I can actually have a more quality mounting system, mounting solution, keeping this stable to my head uh, than something janky uh, like the old Rhino. This mount will also give me the ability of going into the Rhino stowing position outward stow position, like a, like a, you know, like a, one of the G24 mounts, or I can then of course drop it down and wear it, uh, for use. So don't skimp on your mounts. It's like skimping on your scope mounts for your night force, your vortex, your razor, your loophole, your fancy, like mid-grade premium optic. Uh, you don't put those in NC star mounts. Don't put your night vision in janky mounts either. <sighs> so DT and VS are 31s. I would say DT and VS, they're much more user serviceable than PVS 31s. The problem with 31s is if there are problems with them, uh, you pretty much have to send them back to L3, which sucks. Uh, so I don't really recommend them for people who don't have connections uh, with folks. I would say go DT and VS. You'll be able to upgrade stuff off of them. You'll be able to do more things. They have diopters as well. Like they're a little bit heavier, I believe, um, but they're, they're good to go. What do you think about the QT and VGs? So I've talked to a couple guys who've used them. I haven't used one, so I'm speaking from no experience. And they've said that they are not the same quality of the L3 uh, 18s. They say that the, the main difference with them and issue is some of the distortion around the edge of the actual tubes themselves. You don't have a perfectly crisp, clear image. Um, there's, you're losing a little bit of uh, clarity around the edges uh, with the night vision itself. Uh, that's the only main gripe that I've heard, but that's a civilian legal uh, pano night vision unit you could buy for like 18 grand, I think, something like that, 18 to 20 based on what tubes you put in. Uh, impressive, uh, Chinese, uh, impressive, um, but they, it, it still isn't as uh, high quality and well-made as the 18s, so. All right. It's going to apply L3. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because they're a huge L3 Harris, massive government uh, organization, um, which is interesting. Another big government organization, General Dynamics. Uh, so I've been told said, no, we can't do that. We'd lose 40% of our workforce and they actually push back. So it's unfortunate L3 Harris isn't doing that, uh, at least according to you. I don't know, but um, we'll see. Have I tried the Neurotos INVG mount? I have not. The, the mounts that I, I primarily use 
uh, and that, that are the gold standard, especially for the, the binocular world out there, uh, is the Wilcox G24. This is a $450 to $500 mount. Uh, it's just, it's lovely machining. It's just a great piece of gear. It's really splendid. Um, and the funny thing is when you're, when you're applying this to a $10,000 unit, uh, for $500, uh, it's actually not bad. It's not like the mount you're paying two grand for the mount. Like it's really, as far as percentage goes, isn't that bad. Uh, so pretty much everyone I know who runs binos is running something like this PVS uh, 24 or not PVS 24, uh, G24. And then Neurotos has their own version. I've got a couple of them somewhere. And uh, this is how they're retaining their bino night vision. Now what I have, because uh, binos are, or quads are weird, is I have the G22. This is an extended model because the way panos sit on your helmet on a standard G24, they're already smashing my eye pro. Uh, this allows me to extend the actual mounting interface to the night vision further away from my head. I need to hold it over here. And uh, so I, after playing around, I was like, I'm going to need this extended mount. This is what I bought. It's like $500. Again, not a bad percentage for night vision that's super expensive, uh, but you do want quality mounts. You want good stuff for your night vision. Uh, everyone commenting on government watch list. Yeah, we all are. Okay. Like join the club. <laughs> like we're, we're all on the same clubs. Um, I remember when people were like, I don't want to buy a gun because they'll know I own a gun. I'm like, you have any idea how many millions of Americans have guns? You're joining the ranks of like a lot of people, you know, like it's really not that big of a deal. Now, if you want to fly under the radar and show in your history, you've never owned a gun. I, I can respect that. But as soon as you own one, it's like just own 20 at that point. So it's good fun. But then if you post pictures of your guns on social media that you bought, you know, in a parking lot, well, now they know that you own guns anyway. So, you know, it's either you go full OPSEC or you realize you have none. It's one of the two. People don't seem to understand that about the digital era. You either have to be all in or understand that you're already, you've already doxed yourself. And uh, I obviously have no OPSEC anymore. Not really. I don't. I can't count on it. So $500, it's a lot of tacos. You're not wrong. It's also a lot of beer, um, for sure, that people like to drink or cigarettes. They like to smoke. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. So Wendy versus fast. Yeah. So let's talk helmets real quick. So helmets is another area that I see people try to skimp on. And, uh, and I've talked to people who are like, oh man, $300 for a bump helmet. That's a lot of money. I can understand that. But if I'm again, suspending my $3,000 investment. So in this case, let's say eh, 4,000, if I'm suspending my $4,000 investment, off of a piece of headborne gear, I'm, I'm already going a little bit beyond budget. I can afford to buy a helmet with a dedicated shroud or a helmet with a higher quality shroud, a helmet that can support hearing protection and a helmet that is just going to be more comfortable with a better suspension system inside of the helmet itself. So what I like to do and what I recommend to people, if you buy a 14 PBS sevens, if you do that, or even a set of binos and you don't want to go to a ballistic, this is a team Wendy bump. They're like $300. I also have the op score right here. Uh, this, let me set my phone on the, and this guy right here. Also about $300. They both end up doing the same thing. They have accessory rails with their own proprietary parts uh, and here, uh, ear pro attachments. They have Velcro for mounting strobes, uh, patches. Um, you know, you see the Velcro's in the exact same place. Uh, they've got a suspension system inside of the helmet that can be adjusted. In this case, this has the ops core, uh, I think it's called the worm dial. So you can twist it and tighten the whole helmet, you know, like the inside of it, you know, to your head, which is super important. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't seem to understand this. You know, back in like World War II, you see people in like the, the, the videos, you know, their helmets are all lopsided and weird and they don't, they, they chin strap it, but they have no other way to like keep it straight on their head. Well, with night vision, it's even more important. It's even more vital that you keep this helmet perfectly straight with your head because you are trying to direct this little object in the center of your eye at all times. If you have a helmet that's constantly doing this, yeah, good luck. You're not going to see through your night vision tube because it's over here. It's over here. It's over here. Oh, now it's center. Now it's over here. So it's vital that you get a helmet that has a high quality suspension system, attachment system inside the helmet to keep this firmly square and center to your head. I can't stress that enough if you're trying to use night vision. If you're not using night vision, yeah, sure, go ahead, let it you know, be weird and look unprofessional, that's fine. But this is an ops core bump, it's about $300. It has a built-in shroud that will accept your night vision mounts, which in this case, I'll slap this, uh, um, no, go this way, thank you. It's been a long day. And we're filming tonight, so even longer. But uh, there we go, it's mounted to the helmet. 
This is an injection molded shroud. The downside to that is if this were to ever uh, get wallowed out or potentially fail, and the plastic were to peel away or, or break off, um, I'm kind of screwed. A lot of other helmets, especially uh, you know higher quality helmets, such as this Opscore SF Ballistic, will have a shroud with three little holes and you can actually change out the entire thing and it's made of metal. In this case, this is a polymer shroud injection molded into the helmet itself. I have been running my panos off of this. I am assuming though that putting a bunch of weight off of this constantly is going to potentially affect the polymer and the plastic and it could like break away at some point. Uh, but if you're running a 14, a lighter weight piece of night vision in an injection molded plastic shroud, not a big deal. If you're running binos, like PBS 15, something heavy, you might wanna consider some of that versus having a dedicated three hole shroud uh, that is metal, that won't fail as, as, you know, as likely and uh, is going to be a little bit more durable like on this cheap ProTac helmet. So, Team Wendy is my favorite out of all of these. The Offscore bump is not bad, but if I'm spending money on a bump helmet, I really like the Team Wendy. I like the BOA system even more uh, than the Offscore. I think the pads it comes with are a little more comfortable. Uh, the shroud has a metal insert. It's not all polymer, so that's pretty cool. It is integrated into the, uh, into the helmet itself, but there's a metal insert, the Wilcox one, so they're also using high-quality materials and uh, parts. And uh, I just really like the Team Wendy. Been using them a long time. So the question is, when do you get ballistic? Well, it really comes down to, what are you trying to do? Are you going places that require a ballistic helmet, like a shoot house? You should have a ballistic helmet. Do you just want a helmet for wearing night vision off of? It's literally just to hold your night vision and keep it stable to the head. Get a bump, you don't need a ballistic. And you know, it'll protect you from hitting door jams and stuff like that, but uh, you're not gonna need a ballistic. Are you working around explosives a lot? You probably want a ballistic. Are you expecting to take a rifle around to the head and wanna survive? Uh, you'll need to go get an Opscore R3, R4, R5 helmet, one of those like super high level rifle rating helmets. Uh, and those are anywhere from $2,000 to $4,000. Uh, I had a phone call with them recently. I uh, said something on Instagram. This is actually really cool. I mentioned helmets aren't designed to stop rifle rounds, um, you know, direct rifle rounds, uh, glancing, different story. Uh, they're more for frag, pistol, blah, blah, blah. Um, and one of their reps reached out to me or he's like the VP of sales or something. I, I know the guy and he said, Hey, actually we have some helmets now that will defeat rifle rounds. Uh, can we jump on the phone and talk about it? And I was like, heck yeah, let's, uh, I'd love to find out more. And they, uh, they called Kyle and me, we, we, you know, calendared it and outlook and everything and sat down and they had like six people, seven people on the call. They had a full PowerPoint presentation and they ran us through all these products that they're working on. And they had some really sick stuff. But when I asked like, hey, what, what does that helmet cost? You know, I, I see it weighs a lot. What does it cost? So like, oh yeah, it's like $4,000. I was like, oh, okay. So if I want to defeat 7.62 by 39 BZ, BS, BI, whatever crazy ammo, uh, I'm going to have to spend like three grand to defeat that. Uh, but it does exist. It does exist out there. So it really comes down to what are you looking for in a helmet? What do you actually need? What are your expectations for most people, a bump helmet to suspend their night vision off of? Good enough. It's gonna get you in, you're gonna get your training. If you really wanna stop rifle rounds, you may have to spend a bit of coin and you could always do that later. So start with a bump helmet, get the thing later on. <sighs> so, um, going back to the questions. What does it weigh? A lot. I can't remember, I don't wanna to try to quote it off the top of my head, uh, a lot. Yeah, those, those helmets, they said, yeah, they're really thick and uh, so I immediately thought, well, if there's really thick, the night vision is going to sit further away. And so then you're going to want a mount that allows you to bring it into your, into your face and you know, all that good stuff. But yeah, it does weigh a lot. Uh, $4,000 is a lot, but 40K NVGs aren't. Yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much how it is. I didn't spend 40 for these. I wouldn't have bought these for, for 40. No way. No way. Not worth it. Um, so, okay. So I'm going back down. If they shoot me in the head, they've earned it. Interesting approach to life. Um, Okay, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, it's very interesting. The MTech Flux. So I have a Flux helmet around here. Uh, MTech is another helmet company that you don't hear about a whole lot. They have trouble uh, uh, getting product to people, at least in my experience. And uh, they have a nice helmet, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. They also have a ballistic helmet that comes down very low in the, I think they call it the nape of your neck, um, which is something that's very important to some organizations, having a ballistic helmet that actually like protects the, the base of your neck and your head. Um, they're one of the few helmet companies that actually have that. And then there's the airframe. I've got one back there. Does the same thing, but then there's some issues with the vent on the top and you know, with explosive breaching and stuff like that. There's interesting stuff with the helmets when you like want to get into the, like some of the nerdy details. But uh, the MTech is nice. They're very expensive. 
Uh, but they do get the job done. If you can get one, great helmet. But there's that if that exists uh, with MTech, unfortunately. Just how it is. Uh, vehicle night vision. Uh, driving with night vision is really the most fun that I have with night vision. Uh, especially driving with panos, super fun. Blackout switch on the 4Runner, IR lights in the front. I can go 50 miles an hour on dirt roads, same speed I'd drive in the day. Uh, driving way faster than I would at night because I can see further than my headlights. And uh, super great. Super great. I really like that. It's, it's super fun. So, uh, thoughts on the full-face DevTech helmet. So, I think that thing is interesting, but probably not for very many people. Um, there's a lot of issues like how do communications work? How does hearing protection work? Um, how do you wear night vision with it? Uh, how easy is it to take off? There's a bunch of logistical stuff that I think a lot of people bypass. And they wrote to me a few years ago, and they were like, hey, Lucas, we would love for you to market our product. And I looked at it and was like, Mm, this looks weird. Uh, so I wrote them a long list of questions like night vision, hearing protection, communications, like how does all this interface? And they're like, yeah, we're working on it. And uh, I, I didn't really ask anything after that. So it's just how it is. ProTech viable for night vision? The answer is yes. So what I have here, these are hard to get. I do not, do not go and buy one of these from their website. They never fulfill their orders. I've done it three times now. I bought this on eBay. Uh, it's like the only way to really get these helmets. Uh, this is a ProTech... Uh, uh, shoot, what's it called? Bump Tactical. They have a, a name for it. Bravo Half Shell, uh, I think is what this one's called. The, the Bravo A Half Shell or something. And uh, this is a super inexpensive, super like flimsy, cheap materials, $80 helmet, $50 helmet. I think I paid 50 bucks for this on eBay. Very lightweight helmet. Doesn't have the best pads. Doesn't have the best suspension. Just a standard little like H suspension thing going on back here. Um, if I wanted to support my panos off of this, these weigh more than this entire thing right here, which creates some issues when it comes to like, you know, balance and whatnot. All these other helmets and even in ballistic helmets too, they weigh more than the night vision that you're mounting. And that helps a lot with just the overall stability of the helmet. But this little guy, if I was running a PBS 14, you know, if I was like, or, uh, or even sevens. Uh, so dove dovetail adapter, we'll slap this sucker in here. Uh, these weigh a little bit, but it's not bad. Uh, I'd, I'd probably do this. This might actually be super sick. I was going to maybe do this tonight. I've got a long list of stuff i got to film. Then run the SBL back to here. Hook this around the IR strobe. This shouldn't be too bad. This is some Blackhawk Down stuff right here. Um, but yeah, this helmet should be able to support this pretty well. I would want a little bit more weight back here. Uh, some lead weights. This... this uh, this uh, IR strobe isn't really going to do enough, um, but that is something to think about. If you have a super lightweight helmet, cool. You're gonna have to think about the counterweight because you don't want this constantly dragging down and now you can't actually see a crisp image uh, with the helmet. But yeah, just look at this sucker. Look at that. Thing's, this thing's dope. This thing's sick. I'm gonna run that tonight. Head, uh, uh, skull crushers. Yeah. Those are a real love-hate relationship with people. I use one for filming. I do not use one for night vision, and uh, I, I don't mind it for filming. I don't think I'd want to wear night vision with it. What's the purpose of an IR strobe? So IR strobes historically uh, have been used for marking locations and uh, where friendly forces are, especially when you have air assets in the air. So uh, IR strobes get really funny whenever people see like you know helmets with them, like this uh, this uh, core, whatever they're called, uh, Hellstar, because they're like. <laughs> What kind of civilian has an AC-130 on standby? Well, there's a lot of cool things you can do with IR strobes that aren't just for like air power. Uh, signaling to buddies, there's a vis light function. There's liability on the range. I've been to some ranges that require you have a light on. People just use their strobe for that, turn it on to green or red. Um, now they have a way of marking where they are to people who don't have night vision or who do have night vision. Uh, we don't use our strobes a whole lot um, in, in that capacity. Uh, it's more for there if we need it. Most of the time we don't. And uh, the other fun thing you can do if you actually have to mark something is uh, just pull it off the helmet and then turn it on. Green. It's kind of like the quote from uh, Rambo. Uh, what is this? Uh, it's a stick. What does it do? It turns blue. Uh, same thing. Green. It turns green. Uh, then there's also a strobe feature uh, which you can use for stuff. But yeah, if I'm like loading ammo, I can pop this off, put it in the, the can of all my ammo, do what I'm doing. Uh, the IR mode is right here. The camera might pick that up. I guess not. Be really cool if it did. Nope. Uh, so that's IR mode. Viz off. So you use them for other things. 
Plus, they also uh, take people off, and that's what I really like about him. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> he is very opinionated. I am. I am. I'm very opinionated based on gear that I've used and experiences that I've uh, had, and people ask for my opinions, and I give them. I think that's what's called being a. I think that's called being opinionated, when people ask for an opinion, and then you give it. I could be wrong though. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm completely off. I don't know. Uh, ACOG Center nods. Horrible. Magnified magnified optics under night vision are uh, very difficult to use. I know people like to say, "Oh, my my one to six razor under." We're going to film with some of that tonight, but you are getting so much light loss through the scope. Your eye relief has to be just perfect in order to have a clear image. And then the brightness of that scope is usually too bright to even use under night vision, even on the lowest setting. Uh, running a one to six scope with a headboard night vision system, very difficult. I would challenge people who like to talk about that. Like how much shooting have you done with that? Have you shot a basic rifle qual? Have you shot like a military qual? Have you done like a standing kneeling prone? Have you shot around barriers? Because you are not seeing a sight picture. Uh, with especially with like a single tube, but you are not seeing a crisp sight picture at all with a standard one to six optic. Now on ACOG, a little different. Um, there's not as much light transfer loss through the, the optic itself, uh, but on a one to six, uh, it's crazy. It's horrible. <sighs> do you stock at PLCs? We have many at PLCs. Yes, we do. We really like them. We'll be using them more tonight. Um, only certain night vision run on battery packs. Yeah, so not all night vision runs to a battery pack. For whatever reason, night vision companies love to have proprietary uh, mountings and whatnot. Uh, there is a company, Executive Firearms, that sells a battery pack, I believe, for DTNVSs and DTNVGs. Possibly a PBS-14 can be adapted to run off of that, um, but most night vision out there is not coming with the battery pack. Um, it is really helpful uh, to have the battery pack. It just gives you a little more juice. Um, the way panos work, which is really fun, uh, th these do not have a power source on them at all. Uh, you have to run these off of a battery pack system, which frees up some weight from this, moves the weight all the way to the back of the helmet. And I actually kind of wish more night vision did that. I wish they would take this sucker, remove the entire battery compartment, force a cable and a battery pack, and I can move more weight to the back of the helmet and have less weight in general. I think that would be great um, if more night vision companies did that, but you know, it is what it is. HHV. So, uh, HHV has historically made a lot, if not most, if not all of their stuff in China. And I called them out on it a while ago. Recently, they moved their facility to Texas and they are claiming that their helmets are now being manufactured in Texas. Now, here's the problem that I had with HHV in the past. You're using a name, hard-headed veterans. You're using a patriotic concept of veterancy and you're being a really patriotic company, but then you go and get a lot of your products made in China. To me, that seems like a pretty big double standard for a company to want to market using a patriotic ideal, a patriotic concept, but then go and get a lot of stuff made in China. Now, from what it sounds like though, they are moving their operations to Texas. They were doing that when they were a smaller company. Now they're moving to Texas. They're going to manufacture in Texas. And if that is the case, good for them. Uh, good for them get, uh, starting manufacturing in Texas. I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing. It's what they've claimed. It's only a matter of time before people actually know exactly what's going on. Uh, but if that is the case, I think that's great. So uh, I've called them out for years um, and that calling out will stop, uh, especially if they are indeed getting stuff made in Texas and they're upfront. This is the biggest issue. This is the, the biggest problem in the industry. People are just not upfront about where their stuff gets made. It's not a problem if your stuff gets sewn in Mexico. It's not a problem if your stuff gets made in Puerto Rico. It's not a problem if it gets made in Germany or Vietnam or any of these other places. The problem is when you aren't transparent and you don't tell customers where the thing is made. And we've emailed companies. There's a number of companies in the industry that we have emailed with uh, personal email addresses, not T-Rex, and said, hey, I want to buy from your company, but I'd like to know where this stuff is made. And they write back and go, we're not telling you, which means China or some other foreign country they're ashamed of. Uh, that's a problem. That's a big problem if you're a company who's promoting the Second Amendment and American ideals, but you won't be transparent with your own citizens. That's a huge that's a massive red flag for any of us when we're trying to give our money to a company and support them. Uh, so companies need to be more honest about where their stuff is made. That's why there's companies like Vortex. Uh, when you're buying one of their cheaper optics that's made in China, you flip it over, guess what? It says made in China. They're not pulling the label. They're not putting something else on. They're not pretending like it's made in Japan. No, it's made in China. They say it's made in China. If, you're, if you want to buy it, you can. If you don't, you don't, and that's fine. 
But when helmet companies and other companies aren't honest about their armor material being from China, their polymer material being from China, their helmets being made in China and being rebranded, that's the problem. And I have a huge problem with that and I always will. Uh, we've had our own experience of that with our gear being taken to Mexico without our knowledge, us finding out, lawsuit occurring, us going transparent, us telling you guys what's going on, us realizing way more people in the industry do it than we wanted to realize, unfortunately. And uh, there's a lot of wool being pulled uh, is it, wait, is that the term? Wool being pulled over your eyes? Sheep's eyes? What's the term? I can't remember. Uh, sheep's skin. Wolves in sheep skin. And wool being pulled over the eyes. Ah, oh, jeez, it's been a long day. You get the point. You get the point. It's a huge problem. Do you trust made in China or made in Mexico? So, here's the thing. China is really good at making stuff. They've had decades of making, copying electronics, copying nylon stuff. They make high quality clothes depending on the quality, you know, the standards that are given for the manufacturing. But I bet I could have a really good item made in China if I gave them enough specs. They would copy it, it would be a high quality product and it would compete with stuff made in America. Which is scary and also kind of sucks, but just because it's made in China doesn't mean the product is bad. I mean, the iPhone comes out of China. You have very high end electronics that come out of China. You've got high end optics that come out of China. Like they can make stuff. That's literally what the country does. They make things, which means they get good at making things. That's just how it is. So just because it's coming from a place doesn't necessarily mean the item is going to be bad. I just don't like bad business ethics. That's my problem. But yeah, the stuff made in Mexico, like the plate carriers we got that were made in Mexico, uh, very high quality. Uh, when we realized where they were being made, we looked at them and it's like, pff, they know how to do textiles. That's what they've been doing for decades. They know what they're doing. We just don't like that we thought they were being made in America and they're not being made in America. Big issue, big problem. So, where did I get this shirt? Uh, Landmark sent it to me, you know, repping, repping my homies, you know. Uh, don't trust China products. There's a, a great conspiracy theory that uh, all the hollow suns, there's a, a, a big red button that the uh, PLA have. And uh, when they, you know, if a, a, a warm war, a cold war occurs, they smash that button and all the hollow sun optics turn off. I highly doubt it, but uh, it'd be pretty amusing if that were the case. So it'd be pretty funny. Uh, Twitch streams. Yeah, so uh, I've been a little, there's been a lot going on here. Uh, I'm doing two Twitch streams back to back, giving away around $1,500, $1,400 worth of gear uh, each time. For those of you who don't know, uh, the money that I get from my Twitch streams, the people who subscribe and you know want to bypass all the advertising, get into my Discord to submit shooting videos for coaching when I do streaming, uh, and also just, you know, send in some money. Uh, I take all that money every month. It's around $6,000. And I apply that to the gear fund where I go and buy equipment and give it away to people who participate on my Twitch streams, which is a liberal gaming streaming platform, and we are using it to pro proliferate gear uh, to the people. Uh, my goal for next year is to give away over $100,000 worth of gear uh, to people, body armor, uh, I gave away iPro a couple weeks ago, a bunch of Oakley iPro, um, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, we'd lo I'd love to get into like night vision and stuff like that. The problem is that's so expensive that eats up so much of the fund and uh, I don't want to do that. Give away a lot of medical gear, things like that. It's super fun, glorious purpose, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm 100% a capitalist. Uh, money is an awesome tool, uh, but I also like giving money away and stuff away. And so that's what we're doing over on Twitch. So I'm streaming tomorrow night, Friday night. We'll be giving stuff away. It's going to be a lot of fun. And people donate money and they donate kit to give away. And it's just super fun. It's a really cool thing that we're, uh, we're doing. So um, let's see. Um, who cuts helmets into high cut? Yeah, so the problem with chopping ballistic armor, and I'm not an expert when it comes to ballistic armor. I really want to put that out there. Uh, you are starting to expose... And start the delamin. I think it's called the delamination process uh, of helmets when you start cutting into them, and you you basically like the the protective like covering of the helmet itself. That's like covering the, the all the material on the inside. As soon as you cut that away, you are exposing basically everything in the helmet to the elements. Is my understanding. Uh, so I I wouldn't trust. Go do a bunch of research. Go do your own research on on that process and how armor degrades. Uh, I wouldn't trust a, a ACH a Mitch helmet uh, that's been chopped into a high cut. I really wouldn't trust that. Some of you guys may know more about that. Um, I wouldn't trust that because now they're exposing the armor material to the elements. Probably not a good idea. I could be wrong, but uh, delamination. Yeah, lamentations. Yeah, D. Yeah, delamination. Yeah. So here we go. We got we got uh, Harden in here, uh, letting you guys know. 
um, heat treat could mess up. Yep, there's a lot of factors. Um, I've actually never looked into uh, Cerakoting helmets, but I'm sure that's a big no-no too, <laughs> putting them right into the oven. So anyway, go research it though. I'm not a huge armor expert on that, no. Explain how Twitch works. I need to learn more. Uh, just uh, go to my account, aimbotkin.tv slash aimbotkin, uh, twitch.tv slash aimbotkin, and uh, I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll learn more from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, it's been a long day. I'm on my first reign. The second one's going to start soon. It's, you know, a lot of meetings and stuff. It's okay. It's all right. So I already talked about HHV a little bit earlier. If you just showed up here, I talked about them a little bit, um, about 10, about 15 minutes into the video. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. I'm not going to do that again because uh, we're, we're about done. But I want to do a couple more, couple more questions. Auto or manual gain? Both. Most of this modern night vision will have auto gating, auto gain to some extent based on light that is, uh, that is occurring. Um, but high quality night vision, like good PVS 14s, like this L3 one, uh, will actually have a knob you can adjust, adjust that will manually set the brightness uh, basically of your tube. You can dim it or you can jack it up to you know, be intensifying all the photons all at once. Uh, the really cool thing about having manual gain, and I, I recommend manual gain, it's, it's awesome to have. Uh, I was out the other night, it was, uh, it was sort of dusk, it wasn't like, it wasn't fully dark, but I'm impatient, if y'all hadn't maybe picked up on, you know, getting to know me on lives. I'm a little impatient, and I wanted to start training with nods right away. So I dimmed this all the way, turned it on, got my IR laser, because I can only see it under night vision, and I started going to work. It wasn't fully dark out. I could see my IR laser. I was still getting my night vision picture that I can train with, my 40 degree field of view, and off I went going to work. Uh, as it got darker, I just twist that gain knob, uh, raise the intensity of the tube, and I'm good to go. So manual gain, very useful. PBS 31s have it. Uh, I think DT and VSs have it as well. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it just gives you a whole extra option of, of you know, what you can do uh, with the piece of, of gear, and I, I very much enjoy having manual gain. It's also good for driving. If you're driving with your Viz headlights and you want to train with nods, uh, pretending like they're IR headlights, you can dim your gain and you're good to go. Car comes towards you. I mean, you're already dimming your night vision as it is. Not a big deal. So anyway, uh, it's just how it is. I'm getting, and I'm, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're asking. How tough are legit night vision? Uh, night vision is much more tough to light than most people realize. Uh, I used to be super scared about like, you know, walking into a lit room. I'd put my hand over the top while I'm turning it off to like protect it. Uh, night vision is actually very durable when it comes to light sources, especially modern night vision. As far as durability, I remember talking to a guy from L3 about PBS 31s because there were a few photos that surfaced of these like splitting and stuff. And he gave me the numbers. I won't say what the numbers were exactly, but he gave me the number of units sold he gave me the number of units returned for warranty and breakage. And the failure rate on a set of PBS 31s, this was two years ago, was 0.003%, I want to say. It was super low. It was lower than our holsters. Our holsters had a higher failure rate. And I was like, well, dang, if a $12,000 electro piece of kit gear that's polymer based, that you know hinges, if that's got a better failure rate than our holsters, Awesome. I'm down. That's super cool to hear. Because I was a little concerned because I'd seen some photos of these snapping and I wasn't real sure. Um, but they said from units, from customers, uh, it just hasn't been a big deal for the 31s. And I was like, nice. I, I like that. Because I, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to figure it out and see what was going on. So it was good stuff. So anyway, uh, just don't leave it exposed. You're not using it and cover it if not in use. Yep. You want to be careful. You want to like make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you turn it off. I try to put my caps on whenever I'm not using them. Leave your batteries out. Don't use alkalines. Those can pop and ooze and be all weird. Night vision also kills alkaline batteries super fast. You have these will suck an alkaline battery dry in like two hours. If that, or it's like an hour and a half. A lithium, I get like eight hours or so. It eh, might be a little bit more. Um, so there's a few little things you want to know. A little tips of the, you know, from the trade, all that good stuff. But anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and go. This has been fun answering some of your questions about night vision, showing some of this stuff, talking helmets, ballistics, why, the what. And I'll tell you right now, if there's something you, you still got burning questions, there's this really cool thing called Google. You can go look stuff up. You can usually have the answer within about five minutes. If it's something super nerdy about night vision, 
you may have to sift through some things, go to some forums that are full of FUDs who just sit around studying night vision all day and then you kind of like figure out what's going on. Uh, but for the most part, all the answers here can be answered with a little bit of study. You'll also have more perspective, which will be more useful in the future as you're moving forward. So don't just rely on dudes like me or other guys to get all your information because a lot of the stuff you can figure out on your own. I mean, I had to figure this out on my own. Some of it was buying stuff and trying it and using it and whatnot, but I, I've spent a lot of time on the internet just reading about stuff, talking to people and trying to figure out stuff on my own. And if I can do it, well, you guys definitely can do it. So, yeah. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys next time.